Is it fair to say Keen Lynch is your hurler of the year? I just say Keen, here's the trophy, that's it. I wouldn't even give three names. I just say Keen Lynch, hurler of the year. And like, it was so good to give it to next year. <laughs> OTB AM, live, weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. All right, folks, episode 16 of the Football Pod with Paddy and Andy is here. Paddy, I usually start with you, but Andy Moore has got a fresh cut. Oh, the championship <laughs> Patrick, yes. Um, I, had to, I had to get a cut last week, so... Um, looking yeah. well. I was looking rough, I was looking rough. Like, I got a text message that said you mustn't have slept after the game and all this. I was just looking rough. So <laughs> what do you mean you're looking rough? You're looking great on the TV on Saturday night. Yeah, but I was jumping around the place there. When I look back at the pod on YouTube, I was just, you put up them clips on Facebook, I, the hair was on. <laughs> it was time, it was time. He two days in the beer, I'd say, not looking. <laughs> Fresh as a daisy this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. That's a slick retro looking jersey as well. What's it say, 1972 County Champions? That's what it says. Great John O'Mahony and them boys were, were rocking this jersey back in the day. So um, You yeah. were playing that day, were you? That was my debut, Paddy. <laughs> <laughs> you were captain, vice captain. Uh, that was my debut. <laughs> How are you, uh, Paddy? I know, geez, I nearly called you Bill Murray there. All the golfing you're doing around the country. How are you getting on? Uh, I need to get on Bill Murray's trip. Yeah. Jeez, I'm surprised you haven't been out with him yet. Oh, unbelievable, yeah. And Three rounds like, up and down the coast like. You're loved in Mayo, and he's in Mayo at the minute. He goes up singing in, uh, in Mount Falcon. <laughs> yeah, you're loved in Mayo. Paddy that's loved in Mayo, is he? I spent two days in Westport, and Jesus, they love me over there now. Like, yeah. Must get back over. We're, uh, we're 16 episodes into the football pod with Paddy and Andy. If you haven't subscribed already, what are you doing? You can subscribe to our own stream, which is the football pod of Paddy and Andy, or you can subscribe in the OTB GA stream. If you're listening to this on a Tuesday, well done. You're getting it on the OTB Sports app. The podcast is released exclusively there every week. And then on Wednesday, you can get it everywhere else. And on Thursday, you can watch us on YouTube if that's the way you like to do it. Now, the story that caught the eye this weekend, before we, I want to talk a bit about the hurling in a few minutes, the small ball. But before we get to that, Paul Walsh, a Kerry under 20 star, <laughs> flew to Rio de Janeiro to meet Ronaldinho. I don't know how much of this story you know. <laughs> But we had Paul on, on OTB AM, our breakfast show during the week. Did you remember Paul Walsh from that Kerry Minor team? He captained the Kerry Minors in 2018. It, it, uh, mad hair. Yeah, the, the Andy Moran style haircut back in 2018. Jeez. The old school, Sideshow Bob hair. You had yeah, that I in 07, didn't you? Yeah, this is, I have two hair mentions. I've got like, the most 1996 hairstyle of all time. I've got two hair mentions in, in five minutes of the pod. He's got to give Sha- he's got to give Shani McDermott another plug here. Like. He's, just a, he's, a, he's a walking advertisement this time. <laughs> you did well to remember that now, to be fair. To I know. Oh, I, need to go, I need to go down and get one myself. Like. He was ringing Sean. He said, did he need any financial advice? <laughs> <laughs> I'll go anywhere. I'll go anywhere. Anyways, Paul Walsh, he slid into... Ronaldinho's brother's DMs about two years ago and he managed to somehow it's a, it's a long story he explains it himself it's a brilliant story he managed to get an invite he, he's got uh, what, what was he told Ronaldinho's leaving his holidays in Miami he's flying home to Rio if you want to meet him it's this weekend he booked the flight <laughs> to Rio he didn't tell his family he didn't tell his friends for fear that he was being catfished like that's uh, I'm just going to say it now. This could have gone very wrong. It could have been a very different story at the end of the day, but it wasn't. <laughs> we saw it on Instagram and TikTok. He was doing keepy uppies with Ronaldinho in his house. He was partying. Oh, he kind of hung around for a bit of a party. He didn't go out with him in Rio that night. But an unbelievable story. What I want to know is, if I give you two carte blanche, I give you an opportunity <laughs> to go back in time to your youth, early 20s, we'll say, maybe even as a teenager, and you could go anywhere. 
to meet your sporting idol and spend maybe 24 hours with him. Andy, who would you go to? <laughs> Going early 20s, Ronaldinho would be right up there, wouldn't he? He, he, was, he was rocking La Liga at that time. It was the first time we kind of, I had tuned into La Liga at the time. So what a, what a cool character. Um, what a player. What a player. No, not much longevity there, but for the three or four years he did it. I don't think there was many better than him, you know. But my, my youth was filled with, uh, I was Liverpool obsessed when I was a kid. I'm not so much anymore, but John Barnes is my idol growing up. Always um, loved him. Like even when he he lost the pace, he hurt his Achilles and he lost his pace and he went into central midfield and he was nearly getting in the way. I still thought he was the greatest thing of all time. <laughs> no, I loved it. I remember nineteen. Didn't he, didn't he play, Andy? He played till like the late nineties, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, oh, yeah. he? Obviously, the eighties was his peak. But I remember him, even when I was watching the Premier League, and he was still playing with Liverpool. Now he was slow. His, his, his legs were definitely gone, but he kept going. Yeah, he had a player. Did he have a player manager stint as well? To himself, he managed Celtic. He managed Celtic for about yeah, two yeah. months. And was I remember '92. The centenary jersey was out, you know, and uh, my mother ironed and Barnes ten on the back of my jersey. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so it was one of those. But then when later, later life, Serie A kicked in, and it was uh, myself and my buddy. He was mad Faggio, and I was mad Del Piero. So if there was anyone, it was it was that Del Piero era. You know, uh, the Dortmund era when the Betton 3 1, Del Piero scored the back heel. I used to love yeah, him. Yeah. He, he, had the, he had the big, he had the big hair. I was deadly. And it was, uh, I just kind of loved the kind of number 10 creative player who could see stuff that, that, that wasn't happening. You know? Del Piero for me was in that. Did you ever play Pro Evolution Soccer 05? When you had that incredible yeah. Milan team. The four, four years of college, I did it, yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Ad, Adriano was the cheat code. And you had... Yeah, yeah, couldn't miss. Ricoba. Oh, yeah, they're ridiculous. But yeah, Del Piero. That's that's a good pick. That's a good shout. I like it. Paddy Andrews, where would you have gone to? Oh, well, Andy's gone down to the, the kind of the sporting rule. I'm thinking about who would I rather spend a couple of days with. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> I was thinking... Someone I was, you know... Funny, I, I was United. I, I am United, and Cantona was obviously big in the nineties. Like, but then I was just thinking, you know, I don't know if Cantona be much crack. What do you like? He was a bit weird. Like, it, it, just he was very unique. I think I don't know if he much crack for a couple of days, and then obviously the golf. I do enjoy the golf, and you would have had a bit of crack with Tiger Woods. <laughs> <laughs> you read the book, Tommy, did you? The Jeff Benedict I, no, I, book. I, I haven't finished it, but I, I have the book right over my shoulder here. I've dipped into yeah, the book behind. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. So when Tiger was mowing down everyone and he was the best golfer, he used to go to Vegas for a couple of times a year. I'd say they would have been good trips. But then again, Tiger's a bit of, <laughs> Tiger's a, bit of a weirdo as well. So I was thinking, the man I'd go to, and Andy, you're talking about the number 10, like Maradona. Oh, Mar- yeah. The documentary you've seen where around as well. Where, where, where are you visiting Maryland? Uh, Naples. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mar- Mar- but when he's big time, Maradona, that documentary uh, where he goes to Napoli yeah. and he basically he spends about four years in Napoli and basically a four year stag do. That would have been phenomenal. Now, he won a couple of league titles thrown in as well. But ah, he was remarkable. Yeah. He was the best player in the world. He was absolutely, like, even the documentary itself. You just get the sense of absolute chaos, <laughs> madness. So uh, I think I would have enjoyed a couple of days at Maradona in Naples. I probably wouldn't have got out of there alive, but you go out with a bang. Yeah, I have to say, wow, that that would have been a good couple of days. Now. It would have been an, whoever you ended up at dinner with as well would have been interesting too, because he always had a couple of colourful characters popping in. 
But uh, the scene from that documentary when he's, I think when he's first signing his contract and he's got the the journalists going crazy downstairs and there's people kind of talking from him at the press conference. <laughs> and then he walks up the steps and the way that the, in, in the Naples stadium, that the, the players dressing room kind of went up the steps into the stadium and it's just, a photograph that it was unbelievable like of all the hey, shit right there trying to climb through the roof in the yeah. press conference it was Mad. just yeah, yeah, insane absolutely insane probably not the best spot for him at that time looking back he probably could have went somewhere a little bit quieter it might have ended a bit better for him but but if we're talking one person could go and meet at any stage Jesus you would have had some week with Maradona in Naples in the 80s yeah my I'd God. say that Brazilian team that Brazilian team between 94 and 2002, 2006. I'd say they were good fun too. They were some books. Yeah. Romario. Romario. <laughs> the real Ronaldo. Yeah. Ever, the real Ronaldo. Yeah. Did you ever um, read the stories about Romario and Cruyff like in the Fallen Out? Yeah. Go fly to, home for Mardi Gras. Yeah, go to the real Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Ah. A different world, Paddy, than we grew up. Yeah, isn't, isn't it? Just, it seems the South Americans had it right, lads. Play a bit of... Right, you're saying, Ronaldinho, do a year or two, be the top man, and then right, I'm going partying for the next 10 years. <laughs> but those, those boys lived the life, all right. Paul Walsh was telling us that he, he landed in Rio and he was given an address and he said, the only, the only thing is you have to go on your own. So he still wasn't sure yet, was this the real deal? Jesus. And he rocks up to this address and he's like, okay, this kind of looks like Ronaldinho's house or it's someone important anyway. Raps on the door, security guards are there, barely anyone speaks English. Nobody knew he was coming. They were like, like this is Ronaldinho's <laughs> house, but you're not on the list. Like this isn't happening. He's asleep right now. So we sat in the curb outside Ronaldinho's house for about six hours Thought he would have to go straight back. He hadn't booked a return flight yet. And uh, eventually somebody rocks out from Ronaldinho's, uh, whatever, the security cartel Jesus or something. Christ. And said, he's awake. Come on in. So he gets into the house. But Ronaldinho still hasn't come downstairs yet. So he's hanging out with Ronaldinho's mates for about four hours by the pool, having a oh, couple Jesus of beers. Christ. Ronaldinho pops down and then he, he's the only one that really, can really speak English. Like So there's one other guy that can speak English. But an incredible, incredible uh, adventure, especially at the minute when most of us are or just, just getting away for a cheeky holiday. I, I, I see he gave him a Kerry jersey as well, didn't he? Yeah, of course. very smart. Very intelligent. <laughs> and I think he sold him a ticket in the in the Kerry Lotto as well, or there's something like that. <laughs> the Winter House in Killarney? Yeah, something like <laughs> that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have, I, that, I've never seen as much advertising for a fucking house in Killarney. I swear. <laughs> it's I everywhere. Very Sorry, well the, Ker- the Kerry County board, unbelievable. The best part was he told us that he showed them videos, right? And I wasn't sure whether he was showing them videos of himself or what would you do? Who would you, what would you pick out? If you got a chance to show Ronaldinho Gaelic football, what would you show him? And I was I like, surely, me anyway. surely he picked that Morris Fitz or, or David Clifford. And he, he wouldn't commit. He definitely showed videos of himself, he said, because he wanted to verify <laughs> who he was, <laughs> who he was. But, uh, or that he was real. But uh, yeah, he just said that they couldn't get over Gaelic football and they'd never heard of Hurling before. So he was saying, we've got to do a better job of marketing our games around the world, mm-hmm. boys. We'll get so there. Here, yes or no? Is Ronaldinho going to be at the All Ireland final? Is he going to be one of the 40,000 lucky people? That's the thing. He, he deserves a ticket. Rocks up to the club championship game down in Kerry. I'm going with him. I'm going with him. <laughs> I, 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 I miss Bill Murray. I'm not going to see Ronaldinho. Uh-huh. There was a club, there's a junior club game out in the Blasket Islands. Ronaldinho rocks in, in the oh. chopper. It'll be a documentary. Story. Like the Michael Jordan doc with the, uh, when I'm rocking into Kerry to play a bit of golf. So we'll see what happens with that one. So yeah, this weekend there was a, there was two big games, Tyrone Cork in the minor All Ireland semi final, and uh, Mead bet Sligo, so they're into another All Ireland final. 
So the Royals are back. And another, oh, you're the, might, the mighty made. Yeah, you're the back, Royals are back. back. So I'm ready Jesus. to spend the next 15, 20 minutes talking about this. Oh, I suppose it was the hurling as well. We may as well talk about the hurling. Limerick yeah. lads. We did talk about it a couple of weeks ago when we were speaking about, I suppose, the the shades of Dublin that could potentially be there in terms of the dominance of one county over a sport. But the one thing that stood by Dublin six in a row a lot of the time was the competitiveness of a lot of those finals. I'm not sure I've ever seen a half like that in a, in a game as important like that before. It was absolutely remarkable to watch the sheer dominance of those Limerick boys in that game. 3-18 by half time in an all and a half. Final. Jesus Christ. Now, I, 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 t- I was watching it. The first quarter, I thought, was absolutely incredible. It was hurling at its absolute. Anyone, you could show Ronaldinho that and you'd be impressed. <laughs> but you just got the sense that that's the pace Limerick play at all the time. And you could see Cork were absolutely straining every last bit out of themselves to keep up. And you could just see they, they weren't going to be able to do that for 70 minutes. And Limerick, I mean, whatever about their, uh, I think I put, I put this on Twitter, like their, their technical brilliance was, was incredible. I think it was a 3.16 from play in the first half. It was mm. unbelievable. But just their physicality and their work rate. Like they, I, it reminded me, I remember Armagh came on the scene and won their All-Ireland with Ligini and the McEntees and these guys and they looked like they, mm. they, they looked like bodybuilders at that time. And it was like the first time you'd seen, go, these are massive, massive athletes. And then Tyrone brought it on, that kind of around the, the early to mid-90s. And you look at Limerick now, I've never seen a hurling team like that. Like either the jerseys are size small or the lads are in serious shape. It's probably a bit of both. But they were just the work rate, the athleticism. It was phenomenal. They literally just blew Cork away. And once you do that, that's your base. Then you can let your skill, your skills shine through. And it was an incredible performance. Like, like, like I say, Dublin, we, we won all Ireland, but like we were winning our all Ireland finals by a point or two points. Was Throne in, in 18 the one that you had a bit of deal? I suppose it was only five or six. A, a little, end, a little really? n- nothing, nothing like that. Nothing mm-hmm. like what, what, what Limerick did. It was just, yeah. and even like we're thinking, because Kenny did with the water. Remember, Kenny won four in a row. And God, had the, Waterford, the Waterford game in 08 where yeah. they, they blitzed them that day, but the but, but, like, but Limerick, like to be fair, it was it was phenomenal that that display. It was just awesome stuff by them, you know. So, you know, but it's it's not even the I suppose Paddy's talking about the physicality there and how big they tug out. Andy, they're giants. Like Kyle Hayes is six foot five. Garrod Hegarty is six foot five. Dan Morrissey is is absolutely huge. They're just a monstrous size of a team. Yeah, they're 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 a huge team, and um, then you have the little maestro Galan inside. Just uh, <laughs> but like like a, a finned corner back, like like yeah. I, te- I text Keith Higgins during the game. I said, "Tell me this fella's good at football," and he just texts back. He said, "He's probably good at everything." You know, he's just they're, they're just one of those guys because he's such good balance. I was just thinking, he's definitely yeah. a good footballer. You know, but but it, it was just um, I think John John Kiley, Paul Kinnert get a lot of credit and they deserving it. And I do think Dublin, for, for all their brilliance over the football years of the six in a row, I do think they were, you were probably the best coach team in the country, Paddy. And mm. with Limerick, I, I think the same. My limited, very limited knowledge of Hurling. Um, but you can see how well coached there. That's, it's never mm. a panic. Um, it's never like a strain to what they're doing. It's short, short, long pass into Galan, long pass. Into, you know, and it's just all... It's just going through. So, like, when, when Cork come at them with that intensity, and we mentioned about Waterford before, mm. and similar to the football with Dublin, you can come at them for that 20 minutes, 
but they're just churning out the same thing. So they know exactly what they're doing the next play. And it just makes it like even from there to Cork puck out, they're wondering why are they leaving the three cornerbacks free, but they're filling up you know, the three full back line, they're filling up every other hole in the place. <laughs> you know, it's just so well thought of, it's so bright. You'd see Canark out at the water breaks doing the tactics on the tactics board. And I, yeah. I, I just think it's it's um that was probably, sa- savage yeah, to see, yeah. Yeah, they've probably moved forward to a to a different level. And like Canark coming from Clare to do what he's doing with Limerick. Yeah. I like my my kind of passion now at this stage is is probably coaching and I'd be just kind of watching what they're doing on the pitch and seeing can you learn something from it. But I, I with, a, with a football hat on, Andy, like with a with that kind of a mind of of being involved in coaching and thinking about the game in that way, can you take much from Hurlem? Oh, absolutely. I'll give you an example now straight away. So, if you, like in in Gaelic now, you can't give the ball back to a keeper from a short kick out. So mm. you see how they can leave. The cornerback free. You know, can you spot the weakness in the cornerback? Give him the ball, then press him and press everyone from the far side. Where can you get the the small advantages? How do Limerick always seem to have one tackling and one cover, so yeah. that there's huge pressure on the the Schlitzer all the time? It's not just done like basically corking in for the goal. There's huge space. I don't think that ever happens again. How do they adjust that in the game? Mm. So there's little small elements elements that. Like Hannah gets four hit off him from 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 uh, from centre back. Yeah, how much space does he cover? And then he goes up and pops two points himself. So what was he doing in around the areas as well? And that's the that, that's the bit I love about it. Mm. I love the way Galan, sorry, and uh, the other full forward. Flanagan, same as Flanagan. Yeah, I love the way they kind of interlink, and it's never too, yeah. selfishness or anything like that. Like you, you have a genius at that centre forward, which always helps with King oh, yeah. as well. Oh, mm. His hands and the way he links. But but that's and isn't it like you can take lessons from every sport? Like with, yeah. at our peak with Dublin, you're, you're you're always trying to learn from all the best teams, the All Blacks and rugby. You know, Man United, Barcelona at their peak in soccer. Any any successful teams, there's always nuggets you can take. Though it's a different sport, okay, the technical stuff is obviously not going to be relevant. But in terms of the shape and the setup and the and space style of play, something I, I, I noticed even like Limerick were, were letting Cork Cork obviously have this playing their short puckouts and stuff like that, and, and Limerick seemed to let them have it. And any time the Cork fullbacks or halfbacks were looking up to hit the ball in long, they didn't. Limerick were obviously covering. You couldn't see it on the TV, but Limerick were obviously covering cutting out those balls into Patrick Horgan. So then Cork had to take extra touches. And so that allowed the Limerick forwards to come in and bury them. Like, and you're there looking at the like, why are you taking a touch? Get rid of the ball. This is what Limerick want. But obviously the setup and the shape they had were forcing Cork to do that. Either that or the Cork players were... were that was... There's no way the Cork players didn't realise that was happening. Um, but, but it was the things like that, the shape and the setup of teams. For a coach at all, there's always lessons to be learned for, for, from other sports. And, and that was elite that was an elite performance at the highest level so, so any sporting team would look at what Limerick did yesterday now look they've lots of funding and stuff like that and I don't know when are we going to get into this they've won two in a row now if you want to open if, a if can of worms if, if, listen if Limerick go on and win three in a row when did the media start giving out about funding that's what I want to know because that's I'm going to jump in on that one you just let me know when we can do that right we can do it right now not right now. I need more time to think. <laughs> but if they go win three in a row, I want to start okay, talking you about go do Limerick, your Limerick. Split Limerick in four. You split go do your homework. Four. Go do your homework and we'll come back to the table in, uh, <laughs> in two weeks maybe. This is what happens when you start talking about hurling, Andy. We should have just, can we get back to the football, lads? Gee, we've had 
South American soccer and hurling now. Let's I know, I know, I know, I know. But, 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 but Tommy, on, on, on the Limerick thing, I'm bringing it into the football side. Mm. Um, like we have mentioned over the last two weeks, the, the what this means now to have Dublin out of the championship, right? We're moving into a semi-final here now between Tyrone and Kerry. Mayo are obviously in the final. Mayo have no All-Ireland medals. Tyrone have no All-Ireland medals in their panel. And Kerry, I think, have three or four All-Ireland medals. Like, this is a huge opportunity. And why are you bringing Limerick in? You have Morrissey there, who should give the ball to Garo Chagherty, goes for a shot, gets blocked down by Owen Cadigan. And, like, if you don't want to, if you're playing against the likes of Dublin there, you panic slightly because you're thinking, you know, that you can't give them an inch and you can't play. But now all of a sudden, Morrissey just goes across the pitch. He's won his two or three All-Irelands. He's won his All-Stars. Nearly got hurt in the year last year. And he just flicks across the next two points. The calmness winning something gives you mm-hmm. the next time you play in it. Now, all of a sudden, you have a situation where Tyrone, Kerry and Mayo can see the chance. And they can all see the chance. Don't let any of them tell you any different. They can see the chance. The big cats are out of the game. The dubs are out. And now... All of a sudden, opportunity knocks for these three teams, mm. and Tyrone and Kerry play this Saturday, and they can smell it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like that was we're actually doing a piece from off the ball this week. We're power ranking the greatest Gaelic football teams of the twenty first century. So there's like eight contenders. I'm not going to spoil anything, but in the first four years, hold on. This is the twenty first century. You're you're picking the best Gaelic football team. Yeah, we, no, and, no, you're, and you're not giving away spoilers. I think it's fairly obvious, is it not? No. Well, maybe number one will be obvious, but there's a Kerry man hosting, so we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. <laughs> if this is even a debate, like Jesus Christ, like, of the, just the 21st century. The, the point, and this is up for debate. Like. Yeah, 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 it's up for debate. Oh. Man. You're going to have to tune in, man, and see what happens. I'm not. No, I'm not tuning <laughs> in. No, I know the answer. The, the point I was going to make was the first four years of the of this, this century was four different All-Ireland winners. You had Kerry, you had Galway, you had Armagh, you had Tyrone. There was only three more counties that won in All-Ireland after that over the next 17 mm-hmm. years or 16 years, whatever it was. So like we're, we're starting to see that in, in Hurling now, we've it now with Limerick. It's like, it's, it's actually surprising that, that this isn't, isn't their fourth All-Ireland in a row. Like they managed yeah. to let that one slip away. So, where is this going to go? Like, where is the challengers? I think this is a great point to bring us, just to bring in my last point. Mm. All Ireland's are so hard won. And like, I know Paddy is seven of them, but he took so many on everybody else that nobody else has any. So if you look at like, we talked about some great players over the last while, we talked about Conor McManus, yeah. we talked about Michael Murphy. Michael Murphy has won All Ireland. He's one of the greatest players that has ever laced spare boots. Joe Canning retired a couple of weeks one. from Hurling, we won All-Ireland. They're so hard won because when great teams come along, they absolutely eat them up. They just mm-hmm. eat them up and all they can see is, I need to win three, I need to win four, legacy, and away they go, right? The, the real thing for Mayo now and the real thing for Tyrone is that the next great team coming are probably Kerry. This Kerry team are probably the next great team coming. So this now is the opportunity to go and try to, to claim your All-Ireland. I often say back is the one Michael Murphy did win was against us in 2012. That, for us, was probably the one that got away because neither of the two of us had a clue what we were doing. We all did. <laughs> we, they had won since 92. We famously haven't won since 51. So yeah. all of a sudden, that is the big chance. And now I just feel, for the three teams left in it, now is the chance. I think Kerry will win all Ireland's after this. So I think for my own Tyrone, now is the time to go knocking and now is the time to go being hungry for the all Ireland. 
and we'll, we'll get into Kerry now, but Kerry must have questions about themselves because they can't be sure of where they're at. They really can't. They obviously came close in 19. 2020 hit them fairly hard. And now this year, everything's been going quite well, but we're going to get into that. We'll start moving towards that now, will we, lads? We'll start moving towards Tyrone and Kerry. Where will we start here? Because we were talking earlier on today and a bit of a quick production call and we were talking about, Andy, you talking about the preparation for big games and massive games and I suppose how you treat them. And the two of you got so used to them over the years, whether it be All-Ireland semi-finals or All-Ireland finals. Will either camp be thrown, like thrown naturally will be with the COVID <laughs> cases in the camp over the last couple of weeks? How will Kerry have dealt with these last couple of weeks? Will it have absolutely thrown them off their kilter? Or what do you think? Andy, I'll start with you. Well, it's five weeks since Kerry played and it's four since Tyrone played. Um, and it absolutely, if you're an SNC coach there, you're a player there, you're a manager there, your, your system has, it has been disrupted. Absolutely, without question. Kerry were on a lovely, uh, I, I suppose, pattern from Clare to Tipperary to Cork and the way they moved through the gears through them games. But the advantage they have is that Tyrone had, had the same, if not worse like they've had worse yeah. and so I think the two teams come on in a very even keel Kerry 100% wanted to play three weeks and then two weeks to a final if they could do it and so did Tyrone that hasn't happened now but it's not like someone has played two weeks ago and someone has played five weeks ago two teams have played relatively the same time one team who got the game delayed has been has been more affected by the by the delay due to COVID issues mm. Um, so I think Kerry are okay. I think they'll, they'll, they'll have adapted fairly quickly. I think they'd have presumed the game would have been on. They definitely wanted the game to be on because going to an All-Ireland final, playing Mayo, who were going to play their third game in Crow Park in the All-Ireland final, yeah. um, would have been very difficult to go up there and not have played a championship game in Crow Park since 2019. So they definitely wanted the game. Tyrone definitely wanted the game. So I'd say the two of them are... Very grateful that the, go- the game is going ahead. Um, preparation wouldn't have been ideal, but I think for the likes of Clifford, who had a very, very off day in a Munster final, I think he'd be happy if Kerry had any injury scares over the last three, four weeks. Mm. Massive chance now to clean them up, get ready for the. They should be going in with a full bit of health uh, on Saturday. So there is advantages to it as well. Personally, I'd have hated it because the mental preparation for five weeks is a torture. Uh, yes. But, but that's it. And then when they do get over it, whoever wins on Saturday, then they only have two weeks and they have four. Yeah. So they've got that advantage on the flip side of it then as well. The year you won football, the year in 2017, Mayo went on an epic journey that year where you had that run through the qualifiers. I think it was 10 games you played that summer, Andy, um, in 2017. Like, for, for, like you're talking about the five-week wait there, but that bounce of playing week after week, was there something brilliant about that summer? Ah, there was, and it, it just um, like we we ended up getting a re- two replays: quarter final replay against Wisconsin, semi final replay against Kerry. So we had a huge amount of games, and it was just it was preparation, and the team just comes closer. Um, there isn't huge room for, I suppose, if you're out of the squad, it's very difficult. If you're mm. over 27, 28, and you're trying to break into the squad, you don't get them opportunities to train it, so it's very difficult for them. But as a player, all you want to do is play games, play, recover train and then get into your routine again and it just became very very I suppose there was a great system in, in place at that stage Paddy what do you think if you, if you were David Clifford and you had that slightly off day five well whatever four or five weeks ago and you still had another few days to wait <coughs> would you have 
got yourself settled very, very quickly or would you, would you be thinking it, would you be out kicking ball, practicing a bit extra, trying to get yourself right? No, well, look, I think Andy's hit the nail on the head. It's so professional in terms of the schedule and the structure that people ask, you look down to a side and you go, what are all those guys doing? Or that's their strength and conditioning coaches, your, you know, your, your, your physical coaches there. Everything, every training session, every timetable is mapped out to the day of your championship games, whether it's two weeks, three weeks, all the way up to an all-earned final. And there's no doubt how professional uh, Kerry are that they would have had that. So that's an awkward one. That's, look, it, it, it throws your, your schedule a little bit off. I totally agree with Andy. Like five weeks of a gap for players is a nightmare. Even if you loved, I, I, look, I, I didn't love training. Even if you did love training, five weeks without a game is, is long. Plus you're thrown in the week or two of uncertainty where you don't even know if the game's going to go ahead at all. So so that that, that would have been awkward for Kerry. Like I say, it's not like if it's a club championship and go out and get challenge games and things like that. Yeah. Kerry are probably just playing internal games themselves. Um, so it is a little bit awkward for them. But look, they will be fine. Like 100% they would have wanted that game to go ahead. Everyone outside of, of Kerry and Toronto wanted the game to go ahead because it's an intriguing matchup. Um, but for, forever how awkward it might be for the Kerry players or things like that, think of Tyrone here. And, and, and it is, it, it's very unknown how this is going to impact Tyrone. Tyrone mm-hmm. are coming in as underdogs anyway. But you've got to look at the reason this match was pulled in the first place. Like, I don't know about you guys, I, I had my second vaccine last week and I've been wiped all week from it. And that's just getting the vaccine. So, so your energy is way down. You're talking about, and we don't know the ins and outs, and, and we shouldn't because it's, it's obviously health-wise for the players and things like that. But if the reports are that there's 14, 15, 16 Tyrone players who actually have had COVID or have had vaccines or things like that, what impact can that have on their their preparation in terms of can they train? What's their physical state? Are they healthy? Their, their aerobic capacity, from everything you know about COVID, it just saps your energy and your ability to train. What if that is... 10 of Tyrone's starting team. And particularly the way Tyrone play, Kieran McGeary, Maddie Donnelly, Peter Hart, all energy, all, and that's what they're going to, their game plan is going to be tr- to try and run Kerry. We just don't know what type of impact that has had on their training, on the players themselves, on their health. So yes, it's been awkward for Kerry. Definitely that, that there's uncertainty and it's a five-week layoff between games. But it's going to be intriguing just to see what shape Tyrone turn up in on Saturday? Who's going to be, are players still going to be unavailable? You, you know, the, the six days was kind of laughed out the door by, by Brian Dewar and Fergal Logan. There's no chance we can play this game. They've only been given an extra week on top of that. You, you know, are players still going to be ruled out? You know, it's such a, it's such a tricky one. Awkward for Kerry, but, but we just don't know the impact it's going to have on Tyrone. And, and like I say, yeah. they're, up against, they're up against it anyway. You know, Kerry are favourites for this game just on paper. So it's going to be intriguing to see what shape Tyrone arrive up in. And look, you just hope that they, they, they can do themselves justice because they're going to need a full deck to, to take on this Kerry team. Yeah, Fergal Logan was talking to the, exa- to the examiner last week and obviously confirmed that 17 of the players had tested positive and four backroom staff. And I think the GPA had been talking about up to 50% of the squad had been affected by it. So similar enough numbers um, yeah. from that 17. So no, a significant number of, of those 17 had played championship football this year. Now, on the original date that the game was set to be fixed, before, or sorry, the second date where, when the game was postponed, 
the majority of those players were technically supposed to be um, out of, you know, isolation or, you know, past the stage where they would have been, they would have been allowed to play. So we don't know the impact. So I think what we don't know, even know the players as well that have contracted COVID or who have been impacted in a different way. So I think when previewing this game, we're just going to have to take it on its merits and preview it as in what we expect Throne to have, the team that we, yeah. we think they will play. So I think, I think we'll do that. I think we'll start with that. Um, Andy, like when you, when you think about this game, I know we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago and we looked at the likes of Hampsey and McNamee on, on Clifford and Sean O'Shea was saying, we kind of spoke about a couple of other matchups throughout. When you look at this game on paper and 15 on 15, where do you want to start as the key area where this game could be won or lost? Oh, I think you've you mentioned it. Uh, McNamee and uh, Hamsey on Clifford and O'Shea. And I, I don't want to state the obvious, but if you don't stop them two boys, the game will be over in about 10 minutes. Mm. And uh, they're probably going to become two of the best players of the next, of this decade, really. Um, they're, they're, they're two supreme finishers, two really good ball winners, good, good team players as well. They're, they're not afraid to ship the ball around as well. Um, I think they'll go McNamee on Clifford and Hampsey on O'Shea. You think the opposite, Paddy, I think, don't you? And the reason for that is I think Clifford will be closer to goal. I think they'll leave McNamee closer, they'll leave McNamee closer to the goal for him. Uh, I think size-wise, it just suits them a tiny bit better. I think Sean O'Shea will go, or Hampsey will go on Sean O'Shea. I think the difficulty lies for Tyrone in a couple areas. One, I think Hampsey has been absolutely brilliant this year because he's been able to take Murphy and he's been able to take, to a certain extent, McManus out of the game. Yep. Both but they're at different stages of their career. Their energy, yep. like Michael Murphy's energy levels is down because of his hamstring. Uh, Conor McManus, for all his brilliance and everything, he can't help the agent process. And his movement is going to be less, even though his brain is working at a higher higher degree. Sean O'Shea is running and his power mm. and his, his pace around the place is going to be huge the next day. Crow Park, moving right and left, Let's see, can Hamsey live with that Live with that style as well? He's shown he can live with the other style up north. Can he measure up to a 23-year-old here in his peak physical fitness and looking like a man that's on a mission? The other one is Clifford inside with McNamee. I think McNamee could do okay with help. Now, the only problem with the help, if McGeary is back, um, if McGeary is back in front of him, I think Tyrone lose an awful lot going forward. And then you have White, Gavin White playing left half back for Tyrone with basically a or with, for Kerry with a free rein running up the pitch. I think the only way Tyrone have a chance here is if they put Gavin White on the back foot. And you have to, I think Paddy said it, you've got to be brave at the back and see can you work it in a way where someone can come in off the weak side, help out with Clifford. I think a man sitting in front of it, I think. Kerry have too much coming from the back. I think Kerry's attack is two-dimensional. I think it's one into the boys early, but I think they have massive runners. I think they've scored yeah. 14 between their backs and their midfield this year already in the championship. And I think they do serious damage going there. Paddy identified Gavin White's run for Clifford's goal against Tip that reminded mm-hmm. him of Jack McCaffrey. And him, Tom O'Sullivan, Morley came on the last day. Breen is a good kicker of the ball. Murphy can do damage going forward. They have an awful lot of arrows that can do damage going the other way. And I think that's why it's going to be extremely difficult to Tyrone. I think Tyrone are a great team with their back to the wall. I think they'll get close. But I just think Kerry's a tackle of too much for them. Can I ask you about that McGeary role? Because he obviously played a certain way against Donegal and he had an incredible game that they had such an influence on proceedings. Even Michael Murphy getting sent off for, for drawing the tackle on him. 
He kicked a couple of points that day. He was brilliant. He did a very different game against Monaghan. He was nearly, I think, playing that Frank Burns role that day. If mm. we see McGeary in that, if we don't see McGeary in that same role today, and say say Frank Burns isn't starting because we don't know who's going to start, who else could Tyrone put in that role? Because they're going to need somebody back in that regard. Go on, Paddy. I, I think Tyrone are going to have a lot of people back. I, I think we touched on, we were praising Tyrone and, and we highlight this at the start of the year. I think the very first pod we were talking about what, what are Fergal Logan and Brian do are going to try and do and they're going to try and make Tyrone a bit more expansive and, and move slightly away from as brilliant as Mickey Hart's reign was that they were going to, to try and get Tyrone back on the front foot. And they did that to an extent in the National League. It was obvious there was far more kick pass and it was far more open. They went to Killarney and they played an open defence and we, we touched on that. It did not work in any way, shape or form. It was, yeah. it, was a, it was a disaster. And you could already see from the first game in the Ulster Championship against Cavan that they were moving slightly back. They were still keeping McCurry and, and Maddie Donnelly and Richie Donnelly and, and Paul Donaghy at that time earlier on the Ulster Championship. He's, he's out of the team now. But they were keeping these guys up the pitch. With each game they've played and as their opposition has gotten better from... The, 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 the Cava game initially to Donegal to Monaghan, they've gone back a little bit more defensive with each game. To the first half of the Ulster final, where you're looking at it and going, that is, that's old school Tyrone. Even Darren McCurry, who, who we love, is, is kind of bald. He's just staying up the pitch. I'm not coming back. Even he was back um, on Conor Boyle inside his own 21. Tyrone do not want to get into a shootout with Kerry on Saturday night. That is not going to end well for him. I can fully see, and I touch on Andy's point, Tyrone are not going, Fergal Logan's not turning around to, to Ronan McNamee and going, Ronan, you're Mark and David Clifford, all the best with that. that is, it is going to be a team defence from Tyrone. I can honestly see them parking the bus uh, in the first 35 minutes of this game, bringing everyone back down the pitch and looking to frustrate Kerry. And if you look at the questions you'd ask about Kerry, Kerry's A game, what, did, what are they best at? Is moving the ball at speed. We, we've praised them. They've been absolutely electric. Kick passes. Tom O'Sullivan out to David Moore. David Moore and kicks to Potty Clifford. Potty Clifford's having the season of his life because he's getting a kick pass off David Moore and he's turning, he's kicking 40 yards into Sean O'Shea and David Clifford. That's Kerry, at their, that's Kerry at their best. That is their A game. So Tyrone, straight away, we need to stop that. If Clifford gets the ball in his hands one-on-one, you're finished. I, I don't care about his Munster final performance. That was an absolute aberration. If he gets the ball one-on-one with McNamee, no matter what McNamee does, he's going to get a shot off at least. Like I was at the game, the Dublin Kerry game in Turles. I think Clifford scored six points from play. Mike Fitzsimons actually did a really, really good job on him. But that just shows when he has it in his hands, he's so difficult to stop. So if you're Tyrone, your starting point is how do we stifle Kerry's A game? That's by bringing numbers back. And also, what... The question you'd ask of Kerry is, as brilliant as Clifford is, as brilliant as Sean O'Shea is, and as brilliant as Paul Ganey has been, and Paul Ganey's playing at wing forward, and they stroll through the Munster Challenge. It was shooting fish in a barrel for them. The questions you'd ask them is, how good are they going back towards their own goal? Everything we've seen from those players to date, they're not great at that. They're brilliant at everything else, but if you're Tyrone, you ask questions like that. And what a team... Toronto are a team that are made to ask those questions. McGeary, Peter Hart, Niall Sludden playing wing back. These guys, Frank Burns, are going to be pouring up the pitch. I can honestly see Tyrone's game plan being vintage Mickey Hart in a way that they're going to pack the defence 
And when they turn Kerry over, they go like lightning up the pitch. That's McGeary at his best, Myler at his best, Tiernan McCann, we touched on him three points against Donegal. He obviously missed the Ulster final. That's a key strength for those transition players for Throne. I think that's their best chance to win this game. They cannot, in my opinion, get into a shootout with Kerry and just rely that. And, and as good as McNamee and Hampsey have been, lads, I'll leave that to you guys. Try and deal with Clifford and O'Shea. They're going to get loads of numbers back and try and frustrate Kerry. Um, and that's the question mark for Kerry, how they deal with playing against 15 guys in the defence. Um, because I, I, that's the way I see this game going on Saturday night. I think um, if, if Tyrone do that, I think it's just going to be one of those ones where you, 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 you they just chip away and you're going to get beat. You're going to get beaten anyway, seven or eight points. And mm. I think after what Tyrone has went through, I, like, I'm not saying kamikaze stuff and just go out and but I'm saying they have to have some structure up top. They have to have Don Lee. For me, they have to have uh, Darren McCurry. They have to have, um, if it's McKenna or Bradley, they have to have three, four there all the time so they can release valve the ball and get it up the pitch and get their shape and get mm. their structure. Like, I don't think there's any way, if you're trying to play counter-attack against Kerry, I don't think... If you if Kerry have the ball, if this, if the game is broken down and Kerry have the ball fifty percent of the time and Tyrone have the ball fifty percent of the time, Kerry just win that game because mm. they're better than Dilla. You yeah. have to come up with a plan how you're going to give the ball to Kerry in the proper positions, like right back in their full back line where they're weak, or you have to keep a possession game based game, which Dublin would have done against Kerry, which would have been absolutely bad. <laughs> My God, it's not going to happen. But like, like can, can Dublin just play Kerry in a one-off game after the championship or something? Everyone wants the final. To, bring back uh, the league final. Yeah, play the league final. In of, everyone wants to see that game. A five-game series out in Barbados. That's what we should have yeah, done. Yeah, we should have yeah. given. We should have played in New York or something. Should have given Kerry the league final against Dublin. Yeah, and they should have. But but they, they, that's what I'm saying. I, I, like unless you're willing to keep possession for long periods of time, keep Kerry away from the ball. Like the quality of Tom O'Sullivan on the ball, that's is absolutely mm. underestimated. Mm. Paul Murphy, these guys. The kicking yeah. of Green, the danger of Gavin White. If you keep giving them back the ball and you try to transition out of your back line, eventually they're just going to they're going to chirp away and they're going to, they're, they're going to get a position Jack Barry's going to make a big one or Begley's going to come in along the back he'll score a goal Sol will score a goal and I think it's a hiding to nothing I, I absolutely understand what Paddy is saying in terms of they may do this but I think if they do that I think it's very naive after what happened to them down in in, in Killarney because yes they were open in Killarney but they have to have a forward plan. Mm. They've only scored four goals in their seven games between National League and Championship. We've said it before. Kerry have scored 22. Mm. If they try to play a counter-attack with nobody up there, they have to score oh, goals. They have and to and, score and the, I, I agree with you. I, I, do, I think that, that style of play of bringing everyone back, and we touched on it, talking about Dublin so many times throughout this part. If you're going to beat Dublin, you have to be brave. You've got to go on the front foot and take the risk of of being maybe a little bit open at the back and back of your defense. And if Tyrone go with that game plan of bringing everyone back, it's probably a little bit of damage limitations to, to a point. But, but I, I actually think, I think that that is the way they're going to go. If you're looking at it, you talk about Kerry's A game, that, that their kick pass and their speed or their transition, 
what Monaghan did in the second half to Tyrone. Like Monaghan struggled in the first half and allowed Tyrone to get those bodies back because it was so slow. In Kerry that, will have those link players. In that Monaghan attack though, Paddy, you'll remember that McCarron and McManus had two wides apiece that day in, in the first half. That I yeah, don't but they, think... they were they were forcing those shots shots as well. But but that game, Tyrone controlled that game. If you're looking at if you're Tyrone's ideal scenario is you stifle Kerry's attack and play, you slow Kerry down, you slow the ball coming up the pitch to allow you to get numbers back and crowd out O'Shea and Clifford and these guys. And on the flip side, you're looking, how do you hurt Kerry? And the question marks always, geez, for as long as I can remember, is, is the Kerry full back line. You've seen that first quarter of the Munster final, Corcott, Brian Hurley and his brother were causing all sorts of trouble for Jason Foley and these guys. If you're Tyrone, you're looking at Let's slow Kerry down. Let's get 12, 13 bodies behind the ball. Let's break at speed. Let's test does Paul Gein or David Clifford want to sprint or David Moore and want to sprint back to their own goal. I don't think they do. But also you're looking down, can we get McCurry and Matty Donnelly on the ball inside the 21? That's the question marks. The question marks over the Kerry full back line. That's got to be their, their game plan. Slow Kerry down in transition and break at speed with your runners. But also... Can you get McCurry one-on-one with? I, I think Thomas Sullivan's going to pick up McCurry and Foley. Jason Foley pick up Maddie Donnelly. I, those two Toronto forwards will back themselves to, to win those battles. I think that's it'll think they'll be brilliant, brilliant battles, but that's what Toronto have to be banking on. I think that's the way they're going to go about it. I, I don't think it's going to be an open game because I think an open game just, just is going to suit Kerry. That, that's but, Kerry's preferred style of play. You, you faced Toronto in 2017 and 2018 another in semi-final in 17 that I know when you had you on for a retirement chat in February and off the ball you picked that out as your favourite um, Dublin game of all time I think or the, the best performance I think you said that was one of our best performances yeah. yeah yeah. and then in 18 you know you go up against Dublin or Tyrone in the All-Ireland final and if I remember correctly 15-20 minutes into that game Tyrone were, were 5-1 ahead that day did they do anything did they get Anton right in those two games to stifle you or did they do anything to frustrate Dublin in those two? I know they're two different propositions, Dublin no, 17 and 18 and, and Kerry today, but did Tyrone do a, anything? Not in, in 17, they didn't. Like I say, I, I thought we, we blitzed them in 17. We hadn't played them in, in probably three or four years. They'd been in Division 2 and they'd been kind of building and, and we were a bit nervous about that game because they were unknown to us. But we, we hadn't played, like Mayo and Kerry were all, always playing each other in Division 1 and Championship games. We hadn't played Tyrone for years. So, so we were kind of nervous and we just blitzed them that day. They didn't get that one right. But in the 18 final, I, th- I think that they, they moved the ball quickly in, in that first quarter. Like you say, they bet us in a National League game in Crow Park as well earlier that year where they kept Donnelly up and Colin McShane and they were letting the ball in quickly. And that worked for them. But like I said, it was very similar to what we've seen in the hurling yesterday. You could see they were playing at their absolute peak for that first quarter mm. and they weren't going to keep that up. And we were just finding our way. We'd won three in a row at that stage. So we were totally, we would no panic at that stage. So 5-1, yeah. so what? There's only 15 minutes gone. Yeah. Well, the halftime we, score was 2-7 to 6. Exa- exactly. So, so we knew they weren't going to keep it up. But also you're looking at, it, it's a different style of play now and, the way they'd got to with Mickey Hart was probably that was their only real style of play you felt that they were never going to get over the line in that regard they'd get to a point and and, and it, they were just going to come up short against the top top teams and that's why there was so much kind of excitement and people in Tyrone and, and Tyrone ex-players and supporters looking for a change 
And you can see that, that they're, they're trying to be more expansive and you can see it through the National League. But I just feel for this particular game, the way Kerry are playing, I think a slightly more defensive style probably is the best way to go about this for Toronto. But it's finding that balance. I agree with Andy. It's not a case of bring 15 lads back and just stay there. Because Kerry, if they have the ball for that long, they'll just eventually wear you down. You need to have an attacking threat at the other end. And that's the, the balance that does Fergal Ogden go, right, 12 guys go back. Mark Bradley, McCurry and Donnelly, you're staying up. And if the 12 Tyrone defenders, it's up to you guys to deal with that carry attack. If you can't deal with 12, you know, McCurry or Maddie Donnelly's not going to make much of a difference. Let's take the risk, keep those three guys up the pitch, but bring 12 guys into the 45 and just frustrate the shit out of Kerry. I, I, that's the way I see this game going. That's the approach I see. If there's something different and Tyrone do go man to man, I'd be amazed. I'd be amazed if that was the case. But yeah. I was wrong. I was wrong last week about Dublin and Mayo. So and, and I'm not as confident in my predictions and, anymore. And, yeah. I think I think Tyrone, uh, similar to Mayo, have a shot to nothing here. Um, I think they're real. Um, like nobody, right? If we picked this game two weeks ago, we would have said that Kerry were going to win. Right, with all the COVID issues and everything that's going on, like our 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 the odds have probably gone up in favour of Kerry. They're gone like they're better odds. Like so, and their favourites for the All Ireland. I think yeah, with two games left, which is mad. But they, they but I would say right, Dewar and Logan have a chance here to they've won the Ulster title. They've, they've exceeded nearly expectations in yeah. the. They've done absolutely brilliant. As Patty said in an earlier pod, the players now believe in them because once you start winning, all of a sudden they can get... Now they can... You know, how can we see how we can damage Kerry moving forward? Because if they don't win the All-Ireland this year, they, they'll have to... To win the All-Ireland next year, they'll have to play Dublin or Kerry again. So how can we damage them? Where can we get worry into them? And to me, it's up top. It's in the middle of the field. It's their kick-out off Morgan. Yeah. Like, if Morgan goes short with a kick-out, he's a madman. You have to... Get the Kerry midfield out. Like if you think about the Kerry halfback halfback line, Breen Murphy, Gavin White, right? You've McKenna. Like you said, you put up the tweet during the week. McKenna's eyes with Donnelly is there. McKenna's a, a, a half a foot taller than them boys. Joe with a leap on him. Do you know Maddie Donnelly coming out with the full four? Half a foot. Like I can see the Michael Murphy Ryan McHugh move against Dublin. I was fourteen here. Like the, yeah. Over the press, kick to the weakness where the weakness is in the Kerry back line, and let's see what they're meant of. That and they're the little areas where, and instead of going short, I'd nearly be going long for Tyrone. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Hundred percent. If you see McShane, if you see Matty Donnelly in there, Darren McCurry coming off. Richie Donnelly is back. Yeah, yeah, and take take a chance. I like. I can't see with a real like even them great teams that Logan and Dewar were part of. Yeah. People measure them on the defence. Tyrone was never built on defence. Tyrone was built on Peter Kahneman, Sean, Sean Kavner, Jordan Cavlin, even Stephen O'Neill, Owen Mulligan, Brian Dewar, there were Brian McGuigan, one of the Brian best players ever played the game. Right, like great players who were forward. To, yes, they tackle like lunatics, and they put heat on you like you've never seen before, and they're exceptional defenders behind them. But for Tyrone to have a real chance here, I genuinely believe it's in the top division where they could do real damage against Kerry. I don't think it should be a shootout. I agree with Paddy in terms of the can't let it be a shootout because they won't score enough. But they have to have some element of risk where they're playing maybe with one sweeper, him coming in off the weak side like we described with Keno Sullivan before from mm. Dublin and have some sort of plan where they protect. But they have to have the element of going and really pushing on as well. 
Can I, can I, you mentioned Mayo there and the free shot that you mentioned in the build-up to the, to the Dublin game. Can Tyrone take any lessons from the manner in which Mayo played in that second half against Dublin? Can they, can they apply the same, I suppose, manic sort of all-out press that we saw late on in that game? Or was that just, was that just the nature of that game as that game kind of fell apart that Mayo kind of grew into it a bit more? Like, Tyrone have the players, they have the calibre mm. of players that can counter-attack like that or that can press like that. Is that something that you would like, that, that kind of chaos, Andy? Well, I, I think Tyrone do have the transition players that Paddy, Paddy said it, but I, I, do. I think it's very different. I, I think we went through the stages of a team and a business went through a couple of weeks ago and I think mm. Dublin were at the mature phase and we mentioned their pace. The only problem, if you go in and try to press Tom O'Sullivan, he'd be like Owen Merchant, he'd run out by you. Um, and if you go in and try to uh, press Gavin White, he'll do a Jack McCaffrey and he'll run out by you. So, yes, they can go manic and they can go... Joe, like, do the two big lads in the middle of the field for Tyrone have the same pace as uh, Jeremy O'Connor and a Jack Barry? I doubt they do. So they have to have an element of pressing, but then the element of covering on the weak side as well. Can, can they do it? Most certainly they can do it. Um, can McCurry tackle like Ryan O'Donoghue? Possibly. No. He can definitely kick around the corner better than Ryan O'Donoghue. He's his own set of skills that he can do a bit better. But he can, like Ryan O'Donoghue, can, I, like I've never seen any tackling yeah. like him. <laughs> Watching it back last week, it was absolutely yeah. incredible. So yeah. Five foot seven, young fella. Like, you know, but like, he, he probably doesn't have the skill to go around the corner like uh, Darren McCurry does, but he definitely has that element of where he can just go all out. So I, I don't know, can they play like that? But they can definitely give it like... Um, Give Kerry, I think Ryan McMenamin described it as, we wanted to hit Kerry like they were never hit before. Mm. And he goes, when we hit them, and then we go, oh, they're not like this. And then they went at them again. <laughs> you know, so I think that's what, that's what Tyrone have to do. But I, I do think Tyrone, they took huge lessons out of the league game. And I think moving into 2022, Ulster title in the back pocket, they can really take lessons moving in. I know they're coming down to win the game. Yes. But it doesn't go their way. They can take lessons moving forward as well from this game. But, 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 but it's important that you go after them lessons. I, I, do, I expect a big performance from Toronto. Yes. The, COVID, like the COVID thing is a bit, it's skewed it a bit. We don't know what shape they're going to be in and what personnel they're going to have available for it. But you're talking, we marvel that Toronto, particularly in the Donegal game, at their athleticism, at their conditioning. They have the capability to go flat to the mat for, for 70, 75 minutes, which is what they're going to need to do, similar to what Mayo did last week against Dublin. Mayo went for 90 minutes against Dublin. But these guys, like Myler, like McGeary, like Tiernan McCann and these guys, they have that in their locker. That is a cornerstone of what has been positive about Tyrone over the last decade. 100%. So th- that shouldn't be an issue. I If you think they haven't been able to do a lot of physicality or, or physical training over the last month with numbers down. So what have they been able to do? They've been able to prepare mm-hmm. mentally. They've been able to prepare a game plan. They've been able to prepare matchups. They've been able to analyze every single aspect of every single Kerry player. And I've no doubt that that's what they've used that time for. With Brian Dewar and Fergal Logan, very diligent in their, their preparation. of The Tyrone players will have a game plan to take Kerry on. There's no two ways about it. They'll have a, a system that they're trying to design to stop those carry forwards. All of that will be in place. You can absolutely bank on that. So I do expect a really, really big performance by Tyrone. But even with that, though, I still think they're going to be up against it to get a result here because Kerry have been the most impressive team in the championship to date. And you expect a big performance from Kerry as well. 
I yeah. absolutely yeah. echo everything that was said there. I, I, like no better team with the backs to the wall than, yeah. than Tyrone, and they will come and they're going to give this. Um, but yeah, I, I echo everything Paddy said there. Yeah, just on transcending generations in Gaelic football, Andy, you mentioned Ryan McMiniman there and, and how he hit Tyrone harder than they'd ever been hit before. Did you ever come up against that Tyrone side in Championship? I don't think you did. Did you? We did. We we. Um, you remember my little photo? <laughs> it's not a photo of Lysie. Oh, yes. This. <laughs> Is that a dig? He's giving you a little rabbit punch in the head. He's giving me a little rabbit punch. Uh, you must have given some back, though. Tweet that photo. That was it. It's a brilliant photo. I don't know yeah, why he was hitting me. I was just delighted to be alive. I was delighted to be there. It was a brilliant, brilliant photo. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, um, that was that was a great day. It was Canavan was injured, and I just I just remember Mahan and Mikhail got their their tactics spot on. We put Ronan McGarity out on Sean Cavanagh. Sean Cavanagh used to be nine at eight or nine, but he used to play at twelve. And we put uh, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't know why he was trying to quite me, as I said, but yeah. So listen, it was uh, yeah. We just got our tactics spot on, and we, we played them. Um, we played them in North Eight. I did horrible experience in North Eight. I was useless um, in the game. Sean Cavanagh, Footballer of the Year. But that was the game that really got Tyrone moving that that year. Then they mm-hmm. went on to bet Dublin. Then in the in the semi final, really rocked Dublin. I think Davy Hare might have banged in a goal. Um, yeah, how bad, fun, yeah, were you wing yeah. forward? Like, were you wing back that day? Or how bad an experience was it? No, I was wing forward. I was just poor. I had an awful year, not in. I was just, I, I just, just one of those years where you just in college. Yeah, finished. I, I was just burning out. So I was. Yeah. I just needed a break from it, and I was just very, very poor. Um. So yeah, so it was just, it was one of, the, but like, Med McMenon and Gormley an awful lot up in Healy Park and knee games, and they were just sensational. Lads. So we're like. You might score a point or two off them boys, but like they didn't care. Like you know, they just every ball that came in, you had to work for every single ball. And, like confidence never seemed to get the better of them. I even remember Aiden and not nine turning Gormley down in McHale Park and burying one Aiden's first year in, burying one in the bottom corner. Gormley just didn't like it. Just moved on. Uh, they were they were a brilliant team. Like, they were a brilliant brilliant team defensively, and then like say. They're, they're offensive players like O'Neill, Canavan, Mulligan. These <laughs> some of the best forwards of a generation. They're unbelievable. So, and I think I think that's yeah. underestimated by that team, uh, uh, Paddy. I think because the way the bet carry in No Three, everyone still symbolised. Yeah, yeah. But like you go through that team, that team was sensational. You have Brian Dewar at, at ten. You have Brian McMenamin at eleven. Joe McGuigan. Yeah, like or McGuigan at eleven. McGuigan, yeah. 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 You have Mulligan O'Neill Canavan all there. Probably Sean Cavanagh at twelve because they yeah. used to play Ryan Mellon. Yeah, Ryan Mellon, but they used to play Collie Holmes in between yes. with, with the, the Hub Hughes and them guys. So they used to do play a mix and Canavan Cavanagh used to come in around with them. So they'd some staple <laughs> footballers, Philip Jordan as at Philip Jordan, yeah. Philip Jordan, Gorley, Connor Gorley. Like what a team. And that's I can see maybe at times when Mickey Hart has been as bonded about being called defensive and things like that. And you're right, Andy, that that Kerry semi-final in 3 and Spillane with the, the nonsense comment that, that he made, that kind of seemed to, to stick with that Tyrone team, despite the fact... I was on my, my debut, my first year with Dublin under Pillar was 2008. I was on the bench that day in the quarter-final in the rain and Tyrone were awesome. 
absolutely awesome and, and they went on to win their third All-Ireland that year uh, and did it that, did it feel team. like it was the last the last sting of that Tyrone team in 08 did it feel yeah, like yeah yeah like Dublin yeah we thought we'd win <laughs> which was <laughs> Dublin back then and we thought we'd be Kerry the following year and we, we didn't do that either but uh, no I think a lot of people it, it, Tyrone were, were through the qualifiers they'd won yeah. in 3 three and 05 and they ended up they bet Kerry well in the final Kavanaugh was obviously I think Kavanaugh got five that day and was player of the year and they, look they were just a, a, a magnificent team um, and some of those players and that was the day Muggsy's goal was it? no no Muggsy was out five ah um, sorry okay Muggsy was out five. But, 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 but if, if you're looking at Tyrone now that's what that's what that was Mickey Hart's team that was his group this is the evolution where this is the praise we're giving James Horan for for turning over the brilliant Mayo team and those brilliant characters guys like Andy Keith Higgins and these guys it's what Desi is going to have to do with Dublin now to bring them on that transition and try and keep them successful and that's what Logan and Duhu are trying to do with this Tyrone team and what they've done to date as Andy said has been really successful Division 1 stayed there they've won the Ulster Championship and it's a massive game for them. It's a massive game in the development of what Logan and Dewar are doing and bringing on these guys. And, you know, can Darren McCurry, everyone knows he's the talent. Can he be the next Owen Mulligan? He's that same sort of profile. To do, you need to do it. Muggsy, a couple of All-Stars, he's three All-Irelands. Yeah. You know, that, that's what McCurry is trying to get to. You know, Peter Hart, Matty Donnelly, soldiers there, soldiers. And you've seen, there, I've no doubt that those guys are looking at Mayo last week and seeing Lee Keegan and Dermot O'Connor and these guys get their big win their big statement win their day in the sun and Peter Hart and, and Maddie Donnelly these guys are looking at going we want that we want a piece of that they have a chance on Saturday night to do it so, so that's it's even though there's, there's older guys in that Toronto team this is the early stages of the evolution there of, of what Logan and they were trying to do and they're trying to emulate that brilliant team of the Naughties. and Saturday is, is, is a litmus test for them it'll show them where they're at they'll get their feedback on Saturday night um, and they'll be ready for it. Whether it'll be enough to win the game, I don't think it will, but um, but I definitely think they're going to give Kerry their fill of it. I think that word is, is key, evolution as well, and going back to the goal-scoring side of things, and when we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned McGuinness in, in year one with Donegal, they were probably overly defensive. Then the second year, they developed it a tiny bit more, left McFadden up there, McBrearty, Murphy coming off them, yeah. coming from the back. So they had a tiny bit more in an attacking sense. I think the, the four goals in seven games for Tyrone, I think Dover and Logan and them guys know that that's not enough. And then that, that can move then into year two, do you know? Have you been in a team that's been struggling to score goals and you're having conversations about it? How do you fix that? Like, Oh, it's just training ground. But but everything is training ground. Like, So if it was, it was Mayo, the Mayo team I was on, like the Connor Loftus ball to Killian at the top of the D or so like you know, you just kind of work on little moves that could that could work within the game. Like the the, the Lee Keegan goal in seventeen isn't too dissimilar to from the Lee Keegan goal in sixteen. Mm. So, like so we spotted a, you know, a, a, a possible weakness with Dublin how we got them goals. Now that was a very hard move to execute both of them. So what was it? Direct ball from the half forward line to the full well, forward. Well, you had to attack Dublin down the centre channel. If you went down the wings at all, you had no chance of getting the goal. You had like no chance of getting the goal. So you had to get through the centre channel at some stage for you to, to have any chance to get in on goal. And Lee just ended up in the fella there twice. But we wanted one of the midfielders and one of the halfbacks to come through to come through that channel. With 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 Tyrone too, it could be just a sh- uh, a shift. Um, 
in, in, in formation. So it could be just a shift moving 10 yards further up the field, which could make a huge difference. Yeah. Put more pressure on a kick out so that if someone come out and there's only six defenders at that stage, that you're putting more pressure on the, the opposition kick out so you can get the goal as well. All little simple changes. Sorry, Paddy. No, but I, I just think it's going to be hard for Tyrone because like, I, I absolutely get all that. And I think a key thing to score goals is runners from deep and creating overlaps, which Tyrone have. But on, on the other side of things, the key thing to get is the personnel. Yeah. Like, like Maddie Donnelly's not a goal scorer and he never has been. He's a brilliant player. Darren McCurry is he's a better player than I was, but he's similar to me anyway. I wasn't a goal scorer. I love to score points. And if McCurry gets him a yard, he's going to take a point. Whereas mm-hmm. if Conor Callahan gets a yard, he's with his head down, he's going straight at goal. Yeah. Clifford's the same. So they're missing, it's like, they're missing Ronald O'Neill. Is that what we're saying? Certain certain players, genuinely, certain players just are goal scorers. You know what I mean? And I, I don't think, like Mark Bradley's not a goal scorer either. They're brilliant players in their own way. But like we, we had Dean Rock or Conor Callan, if there's a sniff of a goal, they're, they're taking it on. Whereas like Killian O'Connor's another one. If Killian gets a chance, he's going for goal. Whereas McCurry and Donnelly, they're not. That's just not their game and never has been. That's so that that's a tricky one for them, but and I agree with Andy. They're probably going to need a couple of goals, yeah, on, on, on Saturday night. And like I say, I'm sure, like I said, they've had four or five weeks to prepare for this. They will know that there's nothing me us three muppets here are talking about that the, that the Toronto coaches don't realise themselves. Of course, they are. they're smart players. So I'm really we touched on the tactics of the Ulster final. It was the same again as the Connacht final. The Connacht final was yeah. tradition. It was energy. It was whereas the Ulster final was like a jigsaw trying to get pieces together. What are Monaghan doing? What are they changing? What are Tyrone doing? Tyrone are going to have a plan for Kerry. What is Kerry's plan to deal with that? What is Peter King going to do? They've kind of steamrolled the Munster Championship. They've strolled through the the, the National League. It's an intriguing game, and I mean, I cannot cannot wait for it. It's kind of been overshadowed a bit by. The off the field yes. stuff and, and, and Mayo obviously beating Dublin, but this is going to be a massive, massive game on Saturday night at Crow Park. Yeah. Moran, you were a goal poacher, weren't you? Moran scored a load of goals, yeah. It was me. I was not. I was, uh, my my goal scoring took huge thought. Like, I did not score a lot. Like, I, I think only 11 goals, 12 goals maybe in the, in the championship. Um, but it took huge thought like it it literally took me sitting down studying thinking about goals going to training putting the ball in the back of the net over and over again what what Paddy is saying some of these books are just they're 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 different mentalities yeah and you can see it in soccer so we love soccer you can see it like Van Nistelrooy and these guys they're real goal scorers and I think for teams to win All-Irelands and to get close to winning All-Irelands, you need somebody with that mentality in your in, in, in your team. And it's no coincidence that Paddy's mentioned him there. Conor Callan didn't have his best game last day, but he scores a goal last year in the All-Ireland final. He scored two against us in the in the 19 semi-final. He scored one against us in 17. He's got that instinct. Clifford has that instinct. You know, there, there, there are certain fellas who have that instinct. Like, I, I think I mentioned it when we were half kind of summarising it when we thought the game was going to be called off a couple of weeks ago. When Michael Murphy lines up for that goal, for the penalty against Tyrone, Jerk Canning says for his 10th championship goal. And I was Michael Murphy scored nine championship goals. I couldn't believe it. But if you think about that great Donegal team, 
Who was the poacher? Who was the finisher? McFadden. McFadden. He was the fella who do the jink and roll it into the corner. It was a real instinct. And McFadden had that instinct, lads, when we played against him when he was 16 years of age in the Ted Webb final down yeah. in Bally Holmes. Do you know, he, he was... But it, it, isn't it, Andy? You know the players that have it. And that's why I'm saying, like, Matty Donnelly's not a goal scorer. No, he's, no, probably gonna score. he's got to go out and score two goals and start it. But what you're seeing, they're, they're brilliant point scorers. They're tech, really technical players. And they kick points like you wouldn't believe. Like we've seen so far, McCurry from everywhere. But it, it's a different mentality. To, it, if, you get a, if you get an inch, I'm going for the goal here. I'm not taking a point. I'm, I'm going the head down. I'm going at it. Is it an extra bit of want? Out. Is that what it is? An extra no, bit I, of want? I, Tommy, I'd go for the goal. But yeah. I just, yeah. I just <laughs> <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an instinct to go for it, but I just yeah. don't know you're in a post or do something stupid. Yeah. Okay, but it is that it is that instinct, Paddy, that kind of split decision to say, yeah, if but I guess this, I'm going for it. Yeah, but you see it with players. Like Bernard Brogan had it as well. It was just like, if there's, there's a, Gooch yeah. had it. Like Gooch, the amount of times Gooch could have just tapped it over the bar yes. for an easy score, but he dummies by another fella. He just sees. Yeah. It, it is a mentality, 100%. And, and it's, in no way is this is that a slight on, on those players. They're brilliant players. But you just, you know it. Andy said it, the soccer players. You know the players who are out-and-out poachers. And, and, and that's why I don't think Tyrone, if you look at their full forward line, like we think it will be of probably Bradley playing in front, or they might throw the kitchen sink and they might start with McShane inside. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's not. Well, Whereas if, if Clifford gets the ball, like his, his goal against Tipperary, like he gets it and he's on an angle and he's on the 21, but he's like, I don't care, but I'm literally drilling this through the, through the goalkeeper into next week. But, uh, but I think if we, we mentioned the player. Like, oh, Mulligan gets the ball on the 45-yard line against Dublin and not five. Like, 100 dummies mind. and scores a goal. Like, who in the right mind goes for a goal from there? Yeah. Well, it was my brother standing in front of him. So you see, <laughs> was Patter the first? Was Patter the first uh, man to fall or was he the second? Patter's the first. I think Case, Paul Casey's the second. So Paul Casey, whatever Patter missed the first one. Hell, you missed the second. Yeah, but it like, it like he, he literally, and I, I, I think Paddy's point is just, it's an instinct of, mm. I see a goal here, let's go for it. And it's a lovely mentality to have. And to have someone in your team that's like that is a godsend for players like me and Paddy. Because yeah. yeah, yeah. We naturally didn't have that because we played in yeah. the backs and we played wing back and grew but up. We were just different players. It compliments. That's the comp- yeah. like a forward line that compliments. He's going to do this. I'm really good at this. He's really good at that. That guy's really good at that. That's the balance we're talking about. Uh, and that's it'll be interesting to watch on Saturday night because I, I, I agree, but I, I think they're going to need it. They're going to they're need to get scores on the board because Kerry are going to rack up a score even if they're on play defensively. Kerry, some what twenty two goals? Yeah, it's outrageous. it's outrageous. It's outrageous. <laughs> like phenomenal. Yeah. Quickly, Andy, what did you spot in McFadden in that Ted Webb Cup final? And when he was sixteen, but I actually was listening to the story of yeah. Ted Webb last week. Yeah, uh, in you that actually tweeted about it. Actually, yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't realize it, Paddy. Yeah, it was actually he was a he was a brilliant male footballer who was tragically killed forty oh, years geez. ago. Yeah, no, just going home. But John O'Mahony was on the team. It's well worth listening back to the documentary about it. Like that Ted Webb Cup final. It's like the this is the Jerry Riley Cup, I think, up my way. There's, there's yeah, a couple yeah. of them that are around. What's it? The, the old Castle one, isn't that? Is that still going? That's the Jerry Riley Cup. Yeah, That's yeah. Jerry Riley. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. We, we used to play, it was a Connacht League with Donegal. And uh, McFadden played in the minor Ulster final the day before that at under 16. And he got man of the match in the Ulster, mm-hmm. in the Ulster minor final. And he came down and played us on a bank holiday the day after. 
and he made a show of us from centre forward. <laughs> I think he scored one five, uh, one five from centre forward. And like I was always looking for this guy, like because when I seen when I seen him playing, I just thought, yeah, I was I'd like to a comparison. And I was a sub for Mill in the under sixteen game, and he was playing after playing the minor the day after. But he was um, he was just sensational, and I was looking for him the whole way through. And John, like in two thousand and twelve, he was just. He was majestic in tw- 11 and 12. Yeah. Brilliant the whole way through. And he was the a, ideal player. And like, we'll give McGuinness huge credit here. He was the ideal player for the McGuinness system. McGuinness knew him. I, I, aren't they related to brother-in-laws? I think, I, the they? brother-in-laws, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. So, so he, knew, and he, knew yeah. His, he knew his qualities. And he was just, like, he allowed Murphy to be the man on the field because Johnny Ball didn't need him closer to the goal. But yeah, he was just brilliant. We're, uh, it's episode 16 of the Football Pod, lads, as we had mentioned earlier on. We're, we're getting through the summer. There's a couple of big weeks ahead. Uh, there's loads of questions in. I'm going to throw maybe one or two at us. There's a, there's actually quite a good few questions about Dublin and Mayo that I think we can save for later podcasts. Um, we, we'll definitely get to talk Mayo before the All-Ireland Final. And don't worry, Paddy, we'll be coming back to Dublin at, at some stage soon. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, re, we'll relive the hurt when it, when it, when we have uh, to get to it. Wasn't looking forward to that one. And as I go dig out a, a question or two here, would you mind telling me what you saw in Carlo Bricks' Mead minor team at the weekend? I know you were watching the game. I'd like to hear what you what you thought of it. Um, for me, <laughs> looking at it, I thought their tackling was exceptional. And actually, a Roscommon man who'd watched a lot of football was texting me about it, saying it's one of the best coach tackling teams he's seen in a long time. Like, typical Irish mentality. Like, we see a cornerback coming up, a little r- a cornerback with rosy red cheeks, and he kicks an outside the right foot point, and you start on him with that. But uh, it was just, uh, uh, at some point, Paddy, I don't know if you've seen it, it was beautiful. Oh, it's unreal. I'll send it to you, don't worry. Yeah, uh, it was a beautiful point. But uh, what, what do we see? I, uh, firstly, I'd be very kind of impressed with Sligo. I thought they were, like, Mead were clearly a better team than Sligo. But Sligo never gave in some beautiful mm. footballers to bring on a 22. He kicks two or three points of the highest quality. And it's great to see, like, that's a massive step up for Sligo football. Yeah. Like, that's the first minor championship in over 30, 30 years, I think. And to give me the right right go, Tommy, honestly, to give them a right go um, for, for, for 60 minutes was a, was a huge step up. But I just thought the general play... Uh, Emmanuel at centre forward. Emmanuel isn't there. Yeah, he was on the minor team uh, this summer that one as well. Reminds uh, me a tiny bit of Jack Finley from Monaghan, the way he used to play, just that lazy kind of style with the left foot inside, the left foot coming in. Mm. The, the boy you were on about from corner forward. Yeah, Huey Corcoran. Kicking outside the left, but they just have players all over the place. The aggressiveness of their full back line. Um, I just thought they were really, really good. I thought they were solid team. They have a long way to go. They're 16, 17-year-old kids, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, the, it's it's uh, the money you're investing, uh, Tommy, is well invested, as Paddy would say. Well, that's the thing, yeah. You gotta, <laughs> there's no point getting the money from the top down. It's got to be invested from the bottom up. I think we're learning <laughs> that. And I think I think we're seeing it in Offaly too. There was a great discussion off the ball on Sunday. Paul Rouse, who was actually involved with the Offaly management team a couple of summers ago, was talking about Lowry's, I suppose, influence as a figurehead. But mm. it it was the kind of the icing on top of all the work that's been done in Middies yeah. and Offaly over the last five or six years that that we're seeing the fruition of it now. But I I opened our our um, our place in 2015, and the first team to use it were Offaly seniors, right? Really, and a guy called Dave Hare came in and used it, and it was beginning to start like they were starting from their underage, and mm. it just shows. I I think it's been been a really good year 
for smaller counties, not me, yeah. because you should, you're you're probably underachieving slightly. Mm. But the likes of Sligo, Offaly, and these guys really come to the fore. I think it, it, it's, it's going to be a huge benefit to the championship, Joe, for the next five years, because it shows mm. if you put in the work at base level and you work it up with a talented group, a talented group, you can get rewards at the at the at the, the tail it, end of it. It is the next step, though, isn't it? Because they are very young, as you said. It, it is it, that next step. It is bridging it on to the next level. Well, we talked about Offaly uh, last week and we talked about the transition from 20s to, to senior level. That's a huge, if you do what you're doing at 20s and you're trying to bring it into senior level, that's not going to work. Mm. So you need the right person and the right people. We were on about McNamee and um, the, the, the guys in Offaly to, 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 to bring it on and to show these mm. guys the way and the likes of John Mon to be a really good influence there. Me, that's the same. And we, yeah. we mentioned, we, we, we went through the, the McEntees of this world and the Kyogans of this world of me, and their influence is going to be seen what they can do with this minor team and how they can bring them forward and show them the right ways. You were saying you were being laughed at with a foam roller a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was doing the laughing a yeah, couple of years ago. Yeah. But, but it, it's moved on and it's yes, so important to say, right, you've done really well to get to this point. How do we get you to the next stage? And I think to, to Dublin's absolute credit and to Limerick's absolute credit, the senior players within that setup mm. have shown the younger guys what to do. Yeah, and, oh, 100%. And that, that's the way it's transformed. So it's up to the smaller counties now. But, to, but, 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 I agree, Andy. You're spot on in terms of the under-20s final of Roscommon and Offaly, the progress they're making there. Get through three, four, five of those players makes a massive difference. If you get them to play to their potential at senior level, that is a huge plus for those counties. Sligo winning the Connacht Minor Championship, Mead in the in the Minor Final, Throne are there, they're kind of traditionally there as well. And the progress teams like Derry, Antrim, Loud, awfully made uh, throughout the championship as well. So I do agree, it has been a positive year and it's, we touched on, you, you can look at it in two ways and obviously from a Dublin background, it's easy for us to consult, he should look at what to see now, but Dublin, even though we had resources and we had really good players, everything we did was about maximising our potential. And you can just see the counties that are doing that. You can see that what, what Rory Gallagher was doing with Derry, Enda McGinley, Mickey Hart going to Loud. That's what teams, if you're doing that, that's half the battle. And you look at what James Horner is doing with Mayo. We lose players, but so what? Let's bring in the new guys and let's get the absolute best out of them. And you can see that. And, and the role now, it looks like Offaly have structures in place. It looks like Mead have finally sorted out their underage after years and years of probably neglected and not paying enough attention to it. They bring these minor players through, and you're just hoping that you get three or four of these guys and Sligo and Mead and Offaly and Roscommon, Tyrone had a couple of their players, and all of a sudden you have new counties coming to the fore. You know, it, it, it it's only positive for the GA and that sort of thing. So I totally agree that there's been really positive aspects of of the under minor, the under twenties, and the senior season so far tonight. We left Crow Park in North Eight, and there was a draw game between. Mayo and Tyrone. Kyle Coney played for Tyrone and Aidan O'Shea played for, played for Mayo. Mm. And uh, like genuinely, myself and the, the guys that were with me, we left and we just go, we've got a game changer in Aidan O'Shea. And it, it was that clear. And how we, it took him... In the, a, minor, in the minor game. In the minor game. It took him a while. He came in in 9 He was brilliant. He got nominated, I think, for an All-Star, Young Player of the Year and everything. And then 10 wasn't great for him. 
and then at 11 he took off and we had a good decade without finishing the job off thanks to Paddy's boys mm. but the it, it, it started that day in North 8 against Tyrone mm. because all of a sudden you could see oh the, there's someone here that could you know, there's a reason to stick around here because so and then Killian came in 11 and he came straight from the minors as well yeah. so it, it can happen fairly quickly now what I would say about them two boys them two boys were ruthless and yeah. If you weren't doing it, even at 18, 19 years of age, they'd tell you to piss off out of their way. Um, but, like, they led it for us at 18, 19 years of age. Um, where Does that usually happen? I don't think so. But I think there's a couple of boys in that Offaly team that would tell you get out of their way if you're not, if you're not willing to go with them. I think there's a couple of boys to tell you move it on. Looks like it. it looks like it. I, I remember um, I remember Kieran Donaghy and maybe some of the Kerry boys talking about watching Clifford and Minor training. Um, background could have been 16, 17 and then feeling like why don't we get this boy in now? Why don't we get him in here now? That's what we need. <laughs> He'll give us another another edge, bring him in off the bench but it's it's probably slightly changed there a little bit in terms of, of minors uh, coming through and, and starting straight away maybe at 17 or so it's obviously not loud uh, at, at any younger. Lads, I think we're going to leave it at that. Uh, we've set We've set the weekend up very nicely. There's a couple of questions in there about can Tyrone's bench be more impactful than Kerry? I suppose, <laughs> you know, we know the bench is going to be important, but like it, it depends on who they have and what kind of a hand they have to play, what kind of a deck they have to play at the weekend. There's a question in about Conor McKenna's best position. We've covered that before in the last couple of episodes. I don't think Conor McKenna's name was mentioned enough today, and I hope he starts that game by running the field and burying a goal and outrageous <laughs> goal just to get... get yeah, what about, could Conor McKenna start midfield on David Moore? You never know. That's, that's that, is that an option? Is that listen? Just sprint up and down the middle of the pitch, <laughs> as that, good as David Moore is. That's not a strength, but that's what Conor McKenna can do. So these are the type of things. Like, Tyrone will have a plan. There is no two ways about it. They'll have matchups. If you think of it, that's basically the only thing they've been able to do. <laughs> they couldn't train for weeks, yeah. so the only thing they can prepare is is the off the field stuff, the the matchups, the tactics, the kickouts. Morgan's got to have a plan. I agree with Andy. I think just get that ball as far up the pitch into Kerry's half as you can and test that Kerry defence. Um, yeah. So that, no, it's look. It's going to be a fascinating game. And and look, the championship's been slow, but Jesus, it's it's starting to get there over the last few. I weeks. think so. I think McKenna will get a free roll, and I think his biggest influence around the place is going to be on. I think his influence has been very hidden at the minute. I think he's been very, very good for turn one. Yeah. The biggest influence is going to be around Morgan's kick out and how they're going to exploit that carry half back there. Okay. So those questions were from Derville McCallfield and Ulton Anderson on the Football Pod GA Instagram. We started this before, podcast. Tommy, on, just on, quick, well, just before we finish, because the fact that we're now, we're kind of a hurling podcast as well. Yeah. Is that fair? So, so we're a bit of both. So we're challenging Anthony Daly in the book. Uh, but now I just, a quick, my sister texted me there. Yes, my niece, Kira Kavanagh, they won the Wexford Premier Fela at the okay. weekend. Five matches in one day. Andy, wow. What about that? When you're 13 or 14 years of age, you oh, play five matches in one day. And my sister and her husband, Patrick, were involved in coaching the team. So all Class. the girls at Buffers Alley. I remember winning the Fela, lads. I remember winning the Fela 20 years ago this year. Wow. 2000, 2001, we met uh, Balahi from Derry in the Fela final. So. Class. Uh, and I still remember it. I cherish that All Ireland as much as, uh, as the other ones. But yeah, congrats, my niece, Kira Cavanagh, and the, all the girls at Buffers Alley. 
So we're hurling. What are we talking? We talk about rugby next week. I thought talk you were about- no security. Kenny and Con were going to the Dublin hurlers. That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> I thought we were well, going to Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, we'll see. You'll see. Never, <laughs> ne- never say never. Imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, That's there, probably there, unlikely. There's one last question, and we're going to end it with this because we started, as Paddy said, with the hurling and the soccer. We're, we're, her, we're hurling podcasts. Yeah. Paddy, I don't think you even need to a- answer this question because I think your Instagram tells us all, anyways. So it's from CN Sports. If you didn't play football, lads, what sport would you like to play instead? <laughs> okay. I'd like to play golf. For them. Surely you would have okay. been golf. If you could have been a yeah, golfer, I'm, you would have been a golfer. I'm Stonewall, you okay. that still. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it'd be a nice career to have. Yeah, my, my two sports were outside. It was soccer and handball, Irish handball. Hey. So they were my two handball. Sports. Yeah, so we, we'd have been a big handball club back in the day. So. Yeah, there's a massive tradition of handball in Kingscourt up the road for me, and I would have played a wee bit when I was younger, but nothing. A couple of great players up there. Would you have played a lot? Oh, we'd have played a lot. Yeah, my brother would have been one of the best players around. There's a few guys, Desi Keegan, and a few guys around the place who were, who were world champions and stuff like that. So this club wow. was huge. Do you know Rory Gaffney, who plays for Shamrock Rovers? Yes. So his grandfather yeah, yeah. actually ended up opening a garage in Balladrine. Huge handball man, Hall of Fame, handball, traditional man. But he was our club, basically. And he kind of, he'd be down under your door Christmas morning and say, come on, it was a tradition we'd go One of the greatest coaches I've ever seen. Um, yeah, he was just a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant person. You know? Brilliant, brilliant. Lads, thanks very much for your time again this week. And thanks very much to everyone listening in. With There was a huge listenership on last week's podcast. Loads of people getting in touch with lovely messages. One of my favorite messages was a, a chap who got in touch with a tweet and he said, I'm just going to read this out so I don't mess it up. It was David Lee. He said, the pod is genuinely getting more, me more interested in the GA, which is great stuff. I wouldn't have watched the championship match 12 months ago. And I've just spent almost two hours watching the latest podcast. If that doesn't tell you you're doing something right, lads, there you go. So David. I was, I was laughing at that one because it just sounded like something I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> I had no interest in guy for the last 12 months, but the pod's got me back into it. There you go. <laughs> Cheers, boys. Well done, boys.